0: You are tuned to kvmr fm nevada city kcpc camino it's time for the kvmr evening news for friday january 8, 2021 for their support we'd like to thank carmen's gardens and greenhouse locally owned since 2012 on loma rica drive grass valley stocking greenhouse coverings and components down-to-earth amendments ipm products and more open monday through friday nine to five online at carmensgardens.com. Well, coming up after a look at local headlines and local weather, we'll bring you NPR's national news. Then we're going to talk with Nevada County Public Information Officer Taylor Wolfe, who's going to tell us about increased COVID-19 testing in our area, as well as give us an update on vaccine availability in Nevada County. The Public News Service will report on reaction to Wednesday's assault on the nation's capital, And we'll close out our newscast talking with Hindi Greenberg, board member for In Concert Sierra, about grants that they have handed out for musicians struggling during the pandemic. Coming up at 6.30 this evening, it's the California Report, and at 7 o'clock, it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. I'm Felton Pruitt. Now here are today's news headlines. On Wednesday, the United States reported 3,885 deaths, its highest single day of COVID-19 deaths. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention warned the overall total could exceed 430,000 by the end of January. The nation's overall virus death toll is 361,123, according to data from Johns Hopkins University. In addition, the number of people who have been infected reached more than 21.2 million. Locally, 50 Nevada County residents have died from COVID-19, and we remain in a stay-at-home order. The Greater Sacramento area's ICU capacity currently is at 9.2 percent. California Governor Gavin Newsom released his new budget today. It would turn a $15 billion windfall into economic relief as the state faces a rapid surge in coronavirus cases and deaths. His $227 billion plan also includes $1 billion for wildfire and forest resiliency. Since California's progressive tax structure relies mostly on wealthy earners, the pandemic has led to a strange contrast in the nation's most populous state. Many people who earn more than $60,000 per year have been able to keep their jobs because they can work from home. But the employment rate for people who earn less than $27,000 per year, including restaurant and retail workers, has dropped nearly 27 percent since January of last year, according to data from Opportunity Insights at Harvard University. The state has lost more than 1 million jobs compared with last year, the most in the country, yet it has collected $74.4 billion in taxes, or $13.7 billion more than it had anticipated. The result is what Nonpartisan Legislative Analysis Office calls a one-time budget windfall. Governor Newsom, together with state lawmakers, must figure out the best way to spend that money The governor has already previewed some of his proposals. After Congress approved a $600 payment for adults, Newsom said he wants to give an additional $600 to Californians who earn $30,000 or less. If approved, that proposal would cost $2.4 billion. Newsom also wants to spend more than $4 billion, he says, to create jobs and help small businesses. He wants to give schools $2 billion to help pay for testing, ventilation, and personal protective equipment, as he seeks a return to in-person instruction. Newsom's proposal is just the first step in the budget process. Lawmakers must still vet his ideas and vote on them, a process that usually isn't completed until mid-June, so the budget can take effect on July 1st. This year, Newsom is asking lawmakers to act earlier on some of his proposals. Legislative leaders have pledged to act quickly, but it's unclear what might happen. Lawmakers are scheduled to reconvene on Monday. Ubinet reports that Nevada County's Superintendent of Schools, Scott Lay, has issued this press release. Dear parents, students, staff, and community members, as we move into a new year, Nevada County schools are returning to distance learning at some sites, while others return to a hybrid in-person learning. Please contact your local school for specific information on their plans. All staff and students are requested to maintain the COVID-19 protocol established at each school site. This includes daily health checks, Please stay home if you are sick, good hand hygiene, face coverings, and physical distancing. If you or your student has been exposed to COVID-19 or experiences symptoms of it, please contact your school nurse or administrator for testing, quarantine, and isolation recommendations. To help our schools achieve the goal of in-person learning, the Nevada County Superintendent of Schools Office will start COVID testing of symptomatic school staff starting on January 19th. This is to ensure a timely return of testing results to allow staff back in the classrooms. We have also increased our substitute teaching list in the last month to help with the substitute teacher shortage which we have faced in Nevada County. We hope these two measures expedite a safe return to the classroom. A message from the Nevada County Superintendent of Schools there, Scott Lay. Grass Valley's Briar Patch Food Co op will raise its base rate of pay for employees by $1.50 per hour to $15 an hour. The California state minimum wage is $14 per hour. Briar Patch is a major employer in Nevada County, employing upwards of 224 people. Automaker General Motors is changing its corporate logo as it launches a new marketing strategy focused on all electric vehicles. It is only the fifth time in the Detroit automaker's history that they've conducted a major redesign of its logo since being founded in 1908. Deborah Wall, GM's chief marketing officer, said that the new logo features the automaker's GM initials in lowercase letters with the M underlined as a nod to its Altinium battery cell platform that will underpin its new electric vehicles. GM's future plans include 30 new types of electric vehicles, globally under a $27 billion investment in electric and autonomous vehicles through 2025. The Los Angeles Dodgers announced today that former manager Tommy Lasorda has died at the age of 93. He suffered a sudden cardiopulmonary arrest at his home Thursday night and was taken to the hospital where he was pronounced dead less than an hour later. Lasorda was hospitalized on November 8th with heart issues and didn't return home until this past Tuesday. He managed the Dodgers from 1976 to 1996, winning two World Series titles, four National League pennants, and eight division crowns. He was named National League Manager of the Year twice and won 1,599 games. Tweets appearing on the San Francisco Giants website this afternoon included comments saying, he was always a top-tier, love-to-hate guy, but we all secretly thought he was pretty great. What a career. Another tweet from a Giants fan said, Rest in peace, Tommy Lasorda. You were the lovable villain in the Giants-Dodgers rivalry and the perfect evangelist. Giants fans like me truly loved you for it. The weather forecast for Grass Valley in Nevada City is calling for partly cloudy skies this evening with lows around 40. On Saturday, partly sunny with highs in the mid-50s. Saturday night a few clouds with lows in the low 40s, and on Sunday in the Grass Valley, Nevada City area, mostly sunny with highs in the mid-50s. In Sacramento, tonight partly cloudy with lows in the mid-30s. Saturday, partly cloudy with highs in the upper 50s. Saturday night, partly cloudy with lows in the mid-30s. And on Sunday in the Sacramento region, partly sunny with highs in the upper 50s. In Truckee tonight, partly cloudy with lows in the mid-teens. On Saturday, partly sunny with highs in the upper 30s. Saturday evening, partly cloudy with lows in the upper teens. And on Sunday in Truckee, partly sunny with highs in the mid 40s. In Angels Camp tonight, mostly clear with lows in the mid 30s. On Saturday, partly sunny with highs in the mid 50s. Saturday night, a few clouds with lows in the mid 30s. And on Sunday in Angels Camp, partly sunny with highs near 60. That's the KVMR Evening News Headlines. I'm Felton Pruitt.
1: Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. Federal prosecutors have announced charges in more than a dozen cases stemming from the pro-Trump riot that overran the Capitol this week. As NPR's Ryan Lucas explains, one of those facing charges is a West Virginia state legislator.
2: Federal prosecutors say they have three command centers running 24-7 on the investigation. They are working closely with the FBI, other federal law enforcement agencies, as well as the D.C. Metro Police Department. Prosecutors from the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. say they have more than a dozen cases involving federal charges so far. Among the individuals charged is an Arkansas man who allegedly broke into House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office. Another is Derek Evans, a delegate in the West Virginia legislature. The FBI says it is combing through tips provided by the public as it works to identify the people involved in the mayhem at the Capitol and bring them to justice. Ryan Lucas, NPR
1: News, Washington. The Arkansas man was arrested today in his home state after turning himself into authorities there. President Trump confirms he will not attend President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration. As NPR Scott Detrow reports, Biden says Trump would not have been welcome. Earlier in the transition, Biden said he'd hoped Trump would attend to
3: demonstrate the peaceful transition of power. Biden says Vice President Pence would be welcome to attend, but that after Trump encouraged a siege of the Capitol... He's glad the outgoing president will not be on the inaugural platform.
1: He's exceeded even my worst notions about him. He's been an embarrassment to the country, embarrassed us around the world, not worthy, not worthy to hold that office.
3: House Democrats are pushing to impeach Trump again in his final days in office. Biden says he'd fully support the move if there were more time left in Trump's term. But with less than two weeks to go, Biden says he'll leave that decision up to Congress and focus on his own term, which begins
1: January 20th. Scott Detrow, NPR News, Washington. House Democrats reportedly are planning to introduce articles of impeachment against President Trump Monday. That's according to sources familiar with the discussion. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, along with Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer, had previously made a formal request to Vice President Mike Pence and the Cabinet to invoke the 25th Amendment and force Trump from office. As for the President's remarks last night decrying the violence, Virginia Senator Tim Kaine tells NPR's Here and Now it's too little too late he's trying to paper over uh, a disastrous incitement of only the second attack on the U S Capitol in American history. And, uh, to finally throw out some platitudes after it's all said and done. He's already torched the place. The violent riot at the U.S. Capitol left five people dead, including a police officer and a woman who was shot by police after charging inside the building. Stocks bounced around today before closing modestly higher. The Dow was up 56 points to 31,097. The Nasdaq rose 134 points. The S&P 500 gained 20 points today. You're listening to NPR. The World Health Organization says COVID-19 vaccines are not being distributed equitably. NPR's Jason Bobin reports the WHO is worried that wealthy nations are hoarding vaccine doses.
4: The WHO has called on nations to stop making individual deals with pharmaceutical companies to purchase COVID vaccines. The Global Health Organization says the scramble for limited doses is driving up prices for everyone and blocking healthcare workers in low-income nations from getting access to the inoculations. Bruce Aylward, a senior advisor to the WHO's director general, says nearly 50 percent of high-income countries have now started vaccinating their frontline
3: workers. 0% of the low-income countries are vaccinating. That is not equitable access.
4: The WHO is calling on countries and vaccine manufacturers to distribute the vaccines through a global alliance called COVAX, with each nation getting a portion of available doses based on the size of its population. Jason Bobien NPR News. Automaker
1: GM says it intends to unveil a new marketing campaign that will include a revision to the company's corporate logo, with an increased focus on reshaping the company as a clean vehicle maker rather than a builder of gas-powered pickups and SUVs. The 112-year-old car maker has said it plans to roll out 30 new battery-powered vehicles globally by the end of 2025. Today, GM said the new campaign will highlight the company's vision for the future. GM says it will scrap its familiar square blue logo, replacing it with a lowercase GM surrounded by rounded corners. Crude oil futures prices closed higher or up a dollar and 41 cents a barrel today in New York. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News. This is
0: the KVMR Evening News. We're talking with Taylor Wolf, the Nevada County Public Information Officer, who has some good news about some increased testing possibilities for the residents of Nevada County. So what's the new news, Taylor?
5: Yeah, we are excited to announce that we are adding more testing availability to our Grass Valley testing site which is located at the former Summertime's location at 231 Colfax Avenue. We moved it about a month ago, and it's right around the corner from our previous location. So we are now operating COVID-19 testing six days a week rather than five, meaning we're adding Saturday days and 165 more tests uh, weekly. And this ends up being an increase of about 15% to our previous testing capacity, So good news all around, testing is available for anyone, whether or not you have insurance. Uh, But we do like to remind people to pre-register and schedule an appointment at LHI period care slash COVID testing. If you do not have access to go sign up online, you can call 1-888-634-1123 or get assistance through 211 Connecting Point at 1-833-DIAL-211.
0: Now, in your initial press release, you said there were appointments open for tomorrow, but are those going fast?
5: You know, when I looked around 10 a.m. this morning, there were still a lot of appointments available. Um, So there very well may be appointments available for tomorrow. So if maybe you are a close contact of someone who has tested positive for COVID-19 or maybe are symptomatic or have been close to someone who has shown COVID-like symptoms, that's a great idea to go get uh, tested. Again, that website is LHI Care slash COVID testing, and we will be open Monday through Saturday now, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m.
0: And I think we should remind listeners, too, that the um, testing does not relate to the stay-at-home order. The reason we have a stay-at-home order in Nevada County is because of our ICU capacity. It's not about how many people test
5: positive. That is correct. It is exactly related to our ICU capacity, um, which is sitting uh, well below currently today, uh, that 15% mark that the state looks at. And it is an essential service too. So we make sure it's very safe within the testing facility and have it available uh, for people as needed as they get symptomatic or have close contacts um, or feel that they need to be tested.
0: So once again, if you want to get a test, what are the phone numbers?
5: It is one eight 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 six three four one one two three or going online at care testing
0: So Taylor, where can people get information about the vaccine locally?
5: Yes, thank you, Felton. I'm really glad you asked this. I know people are eager and ready to find out more information. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the vaccine allocation and distribution throughout our county as a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, So people are encouraged to bookmark and go to our website, mynevadacounty.com slash coronavirus slash vaccine. We currently have just under 3,000 allocated doses of the COVID-19 vaccine in Nevada County. Uh, The state had some uh, great news yesterday where it allowed counties to move beyond tier one of phase 1A of their vaccine plan. So with the allocations of the vaccine that we have received from the state, we are now able to move into that tier two uh, vaccination phase, which includes some of our primary care clinics, federally qualified health centers, rural health centers and correctional facilities and urgent care clinics, as well as being able to vaccinate just a portion of our field staff in public health. And this is addition to that tier one, which we've already started, which includes frontline hospital staff, nursing facilities, assisted living facilities, and similar settings for older or medically vulnerable individuals, long-term care settings, residential mental health and substance use disorder treatment facilities, paramedics, EMTs, and our dialysis center that we have here in Nevada County. So it is happening here in Nevada County. We're getting out to the community as quickly as possible. And again, people should bookmark MyNevadaCounty.com slash coronavirus slash vaccine to get the most up to date information on how it's rolling out in Nevada County.
0: Should we say that we're kind of on the road back to normal?
5: We can say that, but I think, Felton, that's a great reminder. Uh, thanks for, for cueing me. Um, that even as we're rolling out these vaccines to our community, we we do want to remind people that it is incredibly important, even if you have been vaccinated, actually to continue wearing your mask, staying that 6 feet away and washing your hands often. So we really thank the community for keeping these proactive measures in place and keeping our community safe.
0: We've been talking with Taylor Wolf, Nevada County's public information officer. Thanks for all the info.
5: Thank you, Felton.
0: You are tuned to the KVMR Evening News. Next up, the Public News Service has a couple of reports about the attack on the Capitol this past Wednesday.
4: Civil rights advocates say the police response to a violent attack on the U.S. Capitol by supporters of President Donald Trump was in stark contrast to responses to peaceful civil rights protests. Pro-Trump rioters easily breached barricades and forced their way into the Capitol building itself on Wednesday, ransacking offices with impunity for hours before being forced to leave the building. Reports have said the rioters got inside because U.S. Capitol police were outnumbered and overwhelmed. But according to Mara Verhaden-Hilliard with the Center for Protest Law and Litigation, Peaceful civil rights protests have been confronted by massive and often violent police response.
3: When confronted with an actually violent mob that they knew was coming, they fell back. They did little to try and stop them from entering.
4: Chief Stephen Sund, head of the Capitol Police, has defended the response saying officers acted valiantly when faced with thousands of individuals involved in violent riotous acts. Video from inside the Capitol does show rioters violently confronting police who do appear to be overwhelmed. But Verheyden Hilliard points out that other videos tell another story.
3: There's a lot of images circulating now that show police taking selfies with the white supremacists who entered the Capitol who besieged it and them opening up and very commonly stepping back from barricades.
4: She has that Capitol Police have dressed in full riot gear to confront peaceful anti-war and civil rights protests, but wore soft uniforms as thousands of violent rioters approached. For Hayden Hilliard notes that federal prosecutors and the FBI are convening grand juries to pursue federal riot charges against racial justice demonstrators, while rioters who stormed the Capitol were allowed to walk away.
3: It demonstrates the falsity of the criminal justice system because it makes it clear that they are using these laws to target the social justice movement that has nothing to do with, quote-unquote, law and order.
4: House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has called for Sun to resign, and late Thursday it was announced that the chief would leave his post January 16th. For Public News Service, I'm Andrea
2: Sears. People across the country were shocked by the crowd that forced its way into the U.S. Capitol this week. But followers of the far-right movement say there were warning signs leading up to the attack. Travis McAdam with the Montana Human Rights Network says far-right groups have been mobilizing in protest of COVID-19 safety measures.
3: A lot of times in those crowds, you have these armed contingents of militia members and other anti-government groups. And that started out pretty early on in the
2: pandemic. The Montana Human Rights Network has been following groups such as People's Rights, which began last year and is predicted to have about 700 members in the state. On Wednesday, about 100 pro-Trump supporters held a peaceful rally at the Montana Capitol. McAdams says it's become normal to see armed paramilitary people at protests over the past year. But the siege on the U.S. Capitol could jolt folks awake to the fact that this shouldn't be normal.
3: Sometimes because folks can feel like, oh, you know, what's happening in my community is happening in my community and sort of exists in a vacuum. It's important to understand that those dynamics were playing out all over the country.
2: McAdams says a lot of the healing of the country's divisions can start locally.
3: It tends to be much easier to start conversations with your friends and neighbors and to try to find those areas of agreement and those underlying values that people can support.
2: For Public News Service, I'm Eric Tegadoff.
0: You are tuned to the KVMR Evening News. We're talking with Hindi Greenberg, board member for In Concert Sierra and a local arts supporter. Hindi, you just announced that In Concert Sierra has raised uh, over $13,000 for sponsorships for orchestra musicians during this pandemic.
6: Well, we raised over 13000 but we have actually, In Concert Sierra has actually given almost $20,000 to the musicians within this uh, year of you know, nine months of pandemic, because we raised for a holiday gift for them almost $13,000 and then distributed that. But last May, In Concert Sierra took out of their own budget and gave $6,500 divided among uh, the musicians. So there's been two payments to the orchestra musicians.
0: That's just great. And it's because you you saw a need, a gap where uh, certain musicians were being ignored with all of these relief efforts
6: well it's it's not just ignored we we know that you know the arts in general have been hurt terribly by the pandemic i mean so many people in every field and arena have been but the arts have not been uh, supported in quite the same way because some people don't see you know that that's such a need although for some of us it's as much a need as food is and so classical musicians particularly are often overlooked and we knew that many of our orchestra musicians Haven't worked since last March and, uh, you know, could use a little boost. So when we had to cancel in, in March when everything closed down, we had to cancel our May orchestral and choral concert that is standard in our repertoire. And so we, the board made the decision to pay those particular orchestra musicians a sum to help tide them over. And then when it came towards the holidays, we thought, you know there's a lot of these people still aren't working so we did a fundraiser and asked people in the community among our donors and sponsors etc to sponsor each one a musician and we just were overwhelmed with the response and uh... some people sent in even bigger checks than a sponsorship check to help and we were able to give a nice check to the various musicians but the interesting thing when you talk about generosity and that was the generosity of the general community we gave the option to the musicians to decline the check if they felt they were in a good financial or good enough financial position some of them have spouses who work some have other you know regular teaching gigs or whatever and about half of the musicians Thanked us very much, but declined the check, which threw their money back into the pot, and then it was divided among those who felt they needed the check, so they got a bigger amount. And this happened on both the May and the December payments to the musicians.
0: Give people a little overview about In Concert Sierra.
6: Well, In Concert Sierra, we are celebrating our 75th anniversary this year. Uh, we formed in 1946. In Grass Valley, the very first performance we had was an opera singer from the San Francisco Opera and uh, was attended by almost 1,000 people and uh, has been going strong since then. We are a classical music presenter. Mostly chamber music, but every September we do a, an orchestral concert. And then at the holidays and in May, we do an orchestra and choral concert with our Sierra Master Chorale and the orchestra musicians. Otherwise, we bring in internationally famous groups such as uh, the Chamber Music Society of Lincoln Center. We've had Joshua Bell here. We've had Emmanuel Axe. We've had the Vienna Boys Choir. We were supposed to have Chanticleer from the Bay Area coming here um, in, uh, I think it was going to be April, and the, they, of course, are going to be canceled or have been canceled because we won't be performing anything, bringing anything this, uh, this spring
0: well, the next time you have a chance to bring Joshua Bell here, I'm all in.
6: He, he was, it was marvelous because, you know, he certainly performs all over the world. And if you went to see him in San Francisco, he would be a fly speck on the on the stage, you know, from the back seats. Whereas we uh, rent the Seventh Day Adventist Church because they have such beautiful acoustics and there were 500 people there, so if he, you know, would have brushed the sweat off his brow very vigorously, it would have splashed on the person in the back row.
0: What does In Concert Sierra have planned going forward into 2021? How are you guys going to cope?
6: Well, we're so far talking about the possibility of uh, starting in September, depending on what, you know, the state mandates and the comfort of our audience. We're going to do a, a poll of our audience to see what their comfort level is. And of course, the state mandates will hold sway. And if so, then in September, we'll start with our normal orchestral concert and then go for there. Uh, from there. But fortunately, we have an executive director, Julie Harden, who is a very good budgeter and very frugal money manager. So we're in pretty good stead. Uh, our donors have been uh, very loyal to us and have taken care of us, and so we, should be, we will be able to come back full steam when it's time to open.
0: Let people know how they can support In Concert Sierra.
6: Well, you can support us financially. We're always looking for volunteers once we open up again. We are accessible at www.inconcertsierra.org. And also, I might say that if you go to our website, we have some of our past concerts that you can stream for free. Our holiday concert is still up there, a few others, on uh, the third Sunday of this month, January 17th, beginning at 2 p.m. We're going to stream a piano and baritone vocal concert that will then be kept on the website And uh, on February 21st, actually, you will be able to hear some of our orchestra, the concert we're going to put on for that third Sunday and then leave it on the uh, website, is going to be the Sierra Master Chorale and the orchestra performing the Armed Man, a Mass for Peace, which is a beautiful uh, piece that we've done a couple of times, and this is a video of one of those performances so people might want to go to the website or we have a YouTube station as well.
0: We've been talking with Hindi Greenberg. She's been a a mover and shaker in the arts community of uh, Nevada County for quite a long time and you are a board member for In Concert Sierra. We thank you for sharing all this information with us, Hindi.
6: Well, thank you very much.
0: Well, that's going to do it for our newscast for this evening. The KVMR Evening News is produced by Paul Emery Audio. For their support, we'd like to thank Circle's Wild and Scenic Film Festival, online January 14th through the 24th. A virtual experience this year with over 100 environmental and adventure films, filmmakers, activists, workshops, and more. WildandScenicFilmFestival.org. Well, coming up next, it's the California Report, and at seven o'clock, we bring you Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. I'm Felton Pruitt. Have a safe and fine weekend.